0: I'm Hillary Gleets with JNH Farms in Waller, Texas, where you listen to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today.
1: Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Hello, Texas.
2: It's always great to be back with you again for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Jump on in with me, buckle up. We're gonna take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, illegal immigration. Back in the news this past week, our governor, Greg Abbott, says he's going to start busing illegal immigrants all the way to the steps of the U.S. Capitol. That made national news over the past week, and that refocuses the attention on the problems that Texas farmers and ranchers are having along the border. We'll check in once again with South Texas Congressman Tony Gonzalez. Get his take on what's happening right now with farmers and ranchers along the Texas border and the long-term problems this illegal immigration issue can cause we'll have that story coming up to kick off today's show my name is Kerry Martin I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State and we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture from the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans Pecos and from the panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley
3: in the Texas high plains as the years have gone by a lot of corn acres have gone away and they're not likely to come back I'm James Hunt and I'll have that story on Texas AG today
4: practicing sound biosecurity measures on poultry farms will help to prevent avian influenza from infecting bird flocks I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have this story as various agencies confirm the first Texas case of highly pathogenic avian influenza. My report just ahead on Texas Ag Today.
5: The U.S. Supreme Court will hear a case against California's Proposition 12 filed by the American Farm Bureau Federation and the National Pork Producers Council. I'm Michael Clements, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag
2: Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Texas Governor Greg Abbott brought the illegal immigration issue back to the forefront this week with his announcement that Texas will bus illegal immigrants to the steps of the United States Capitol. This refocuses attention on the problems that the border crisis is causing Texas farmers and ranchers. South Texas Congressman Tony Gonzalez.
6: You know that the state's doing everything it possibly can. You know, I'd say the counties and the local level, they're doing everything they possibly can. But ultimately, I mean, this is a federal issue, and it's a federal issue that doesn't get solved with more money. Uh, Honestly, it doesn't even get solved with new legislation. It just gets solved by enforcing the policies that are already there.
2: Gonzalez says he's afraid the border crisis is just one more thing that's going to run more farmers and ranchers out of business.
6: If you lose a family, uh, you know, that's in agriculture, they're, they're not getting replaced. I mean, they're gone. I mean, their their ranches, their farms are gone. And what I'm seeing is a shrinkage of people operating in this space. And we need more of this. We need more Americans that are feeding and clothing us. And they need to be protected, if you will, and and create a, a level playing field. And then uh, that way they can, you know, not only earn a livable wage, but also, uh, you know, from a national security standpoint, it's critical. We're seeing that
2: gonzalez district contains more of the border than any other congressional district hundreds of thousands of people move into texas cities each year and when those cities grow they take farm and pasture land out of production forever ben schultz farms on the outskirts of dallas and he says urban sprawl is one
7: of the biggest threats he sees well for my lifetime i've been in business for over 50 years and I've relocated an operation about 30 miles east of where it originated. Those farms I started with are, are all, it's all urban sprawl today. And so, and the, the, the direction I went, we're still not far enough out then. Impact of subdividing a property goes right up to those farms I still operate on today.
2: And once houses are built on that farmland, we never get it back.
7: You know, it's from a production standpoint of agriculture, you know, it's, it's a concern to me. We're... Where is our, some of our best farmlands are around these metropolitan areas. It was a shift of that wealth decades ago, generations past, to, to bring, the, the, the farms did well, so that, you know, that helped built urban communities. And uh, it, it leads you to wonder, you know, where is our productive uh, farm areas going to look like as, as we go into future generations, future centuries.
2: Schultz Farms in LeVon, Texas, on the eastern edge of Dallas.
7: There's usually a lot
2: of corn grown on the Texas High Plains, but James Hunt tells us a lot of corn acres have now vanished.
3: Corn continues to be one of our region's principal crops, but it's not getting as many acres as it used to.
0: We're probably down somewhere around 100,000 acres compared to kind of the heyday of the highest acres we had on the High Plains. Maybe even just a little more.
3: That's David Gibson of Texas Corn Producers, who is not anticipating a return of those acres.
0: I don't think we'll ever be where we were 10 years ago, just due to the water availability. If we continue to see better hybrids, better developed technologies, things for using our water, hybrids that can manage the stress and the temperature and do better, which we're seeing those come along at a rapid pace, then I think we can maintain our acres, I just don't see us going back to the days when we had ample irrigation water to fully water. We just can't water the same amount of acres we used to."
3: And with that, Gibson provides a profound example of how much our area's agriculture is being reshaped by the groundwater decline. Now those acres that used to go to corn haven't actually vanished, not in a literal sense, they've gone to other crops particularly with cotton's rising popularity in the panhandle.
0: Over time, we failed the cotton acres farther north, and so that's been one of the big influences. The other thing was seen is maybe a little more return to a few more sorghum acres based off of the good sorghum market they've had based off of selling into China. So it's a little bit of a combination of markets and especially water availability.
3: Once again, that's David Gibson with Texas Corn Producers. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
2: Texas poultry growers are now on high alert as avian influenza has now been detected here. Tom Nicoletti has the story. Texas poultry producers and dealers should follow sound biosecurity practices
4: to prevent the introduction of highly pathogenic avian influenza into their flocks. This precaution follows the confirmed presence of HPAI in a commercial pheasant flock in Erath County. That confirmation by the Texas Animal Health Commission and the U.S. Department of Agriculture's Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service. Assistant Executive Director Dr. Angela Lackey with the state's Animal Health Agency addresses any risks to humans in the United States.
8: There have been no reported cases at this point. According to the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the recent HPAI detections do not present an immediate public health concern. As I said, no human cases of these avian influenza viruses have been detected in the United States. We remind people to always properly handle and cook poultry and eggs to an internal temperature of 165 degrees Fahrenheit, just as a general food safety precaution not specific to flu at all.
4: Following strict biosecurity on poultry farms is key to protecting bird flocks from avian influenza.
8: I think anytime that we see a foreign animal disease like avian influenza get confirmed in Texas, special attention needs to be made to educate yourself on the disease and taking preventative actions to protect your animals. So practicing sound biosecurity can keep the disease away from a farm and or your home and keep the birds healthy. And so it's important to remember that the movement of poultry, equipment and people increases the risk of introducing AI into flocks.
4: That is Dr. Angela Lackey at the Texas Animal
2: Health Commission. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The U.S. Supreme Court will hear a case against California's Proposition 12 filed by the American Farm Bureau Federation and the National Pork Producers Council. Michael Clements reports from Washington.
5: California's Proposition 12 seeks to ban the sale of pork from hogs that don't meet the state's arbitrary production standards, even if the pork was raised on farms outside of California. The Supreme Court just decided to hear a challenge to the law by Farm Bureau and the National Pork Producers Council. Travis Cushman, AFBF Senior Counsel for Public Policy, says the decision is a significant milestone.
9: It's a very exciting decision. It means the Supreme Court is interested in reviewing whether or not what California has done here is constitutional. That's an incredibly high bar to reach. The Supreme Court takes less than 1% of cases a year that come before it, which means that there are a ton of cases that are very deserving that never have the opportunity. But here, the Supreme Court at least views that we have reached that bar to decide this important issue.
5: Cushman says Prop 12 has far-reaching consequences beyond the pork industry. It makes these animal care practices in the hands of voters and not in the hands of
9: folks that actually take care of the animals. That is a very, very unfortunate precedent to have, not just for farmers in the pork industry, but farmers across the country, even outside of the animal industry. This law says that voters in one state can dictate how something is created. So that means that California could tell folks, you can't sell products into our state unless you meet our minimum wage requirements, for example that has very, very far-reaching implications for folks in every industry.
5: Cushman outlines what the timeline for the case may look like. Next up, we will go through another round of briefing
9: with the Supreme Court. There will also be amicus opportunities for interested parties to file the court as well. I expect that oral arguments will happen sometime in October with a decision
5: by either December or early 2023. From Washington, I'm Michael
2: Clements for Texas Ag Today. Eye problems are a concern in all animals, but horses eyes seem to be especially sensitive. Texas veterinarian, Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Wildfires swept across central and west Texas in March, burning over 86,000 acres. Fires devoured pasture land and farmland, as well as livestock, homes, barns, and equipment. The Texas Farm Bureau West Texas Wildfire Relief Fund is ready to help. Farmers and ranchers with unreimbursed agricultural losses are encouraged to apply for assistance. Monetary contributions to the fund are also being accepted. Go to TexasFarmBureau.org to learn more. That's
1: TexasFarmBureau.org. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Eye problems can be a concern in any animal,
2: but horses' eyes seem to be especially sensitive. Dr. Bob Judd says your horse should get immediate attention if they have any eye problems.
10: It is important that any horse with an eye issue is examined by veterinarian. You should not take the attitude of wait and see what happens with eye injuries as many times what happens is serious. Almost any object can cause an eye injury and lots of times immediate treatment can save the eye or the horse's vision. Many times an eye injury is easy to detect due to the swelling of the tissues around the eye, inflammation of the soft tissue around the eye, or ocular discharge. However, Dr. Ann Dwyer indicates in the horse publication that some horses may only show a difference in eyelash height or may seem reactive to a bright light. Dr. Dominique Alexander indicates in the same publication that in a healthy eye, the lids should be nice and open, the cornea clear, and should glisten, and there should not be any discharge noted on the face. The pupils should also be equal size, as a constricted pupil could indicate inflammation, and a dilated pupil could indicate glaucoma. The white tissue around the eyeball is called the sclera, and it should be pink and not angry or inflamed. A nosebleed could also indicate bleeding in the eye as the blood travels from around the eye to the nasal cavity in the nasolacrimal duct. One of the most common injuries is a corneal ulcer, usually due to trauma, and if it becomes infected, it can lead to perforation of the globe and possible permanent blindness in a matter of hours. In Texas, fungal infections are very common and are very difficult to successfully treat. It is important to never place any medication in your horse's eye until your veterinarian examines the eye, as some medications can be used in one situation but could lead to blindness in others. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
2: Texas mule deer hunters will see some changes this fall. Jessica Domel takes a look at those changes in today's Wildlife Report.
11: Texans who plan on hunting mule deer in the fall should take note of a few changes to mule deer hunting regulations that were recently approved by the Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission. The first change, which we told you about on our last show, expands mule deer antler restrictions to an additional 21 counties in the Panhandle and to Terrell County in the Trans-Pecos region. Under that change, hunters would have to ensure that any male mule deer that they bag has an antler spread outside the main beams of more than 20 inches. The counties impacted by the new regulation are as follows. Andrews, Armstrong, Bailey, Briscoe, Castro, Childress, Cochrane, Collingsworth, Cottle, Dawson, Donnelly, Ford, Floyd, Gaines, Hale, Hall, Hardeman, Hockley, Lamb, Lynn, Lubbock, Martin, Motley, Palmer, Randall, Swisher, Terry, and Yoakum. Sean Gray, Mule Deer and Pronghorn Program Leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, says the department also lengthened mule deer hunting for the upcoming season.
2: In addition to proposing the antler restriction in the 15 southwest Panhandle counties, staff proposed to extend the current nine-day season to 16 days with a special archery season. Staff also proposed to test the experimental mule deer antler restriction in Terrell County, and with this proposal, any buck with an outside spread of 20 inches or greater would be legal for harvest. Thus, any buck with a spread less than 20 inches would not be legal to harvest regardless of unbranched antlers.
11: The online outdoor annual has not yet been updated with these changes. We should see that update as we get closer to mule deer hunting season. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel.
2: We had a mixed day of trading in the agricultural markets on Friday. We'll take a look at all of Friday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Break
12: out your camera and snap a pick for the Texas Farm Bureau Photo Contest. You or someone you know can share your best photo with the entire Lone Star State and maybe win some cash. Like $250 for first place, $200 for second place, and $100 for honorable mention. The contest is open to Texas Farm Bureau members or an immediate family member. Rural settings and lifestyles are the preferred themes for all submissions, and contestants are limited to one entry per person. Top four winners will be selected and published in the July edition of Texas Agriculture and the summer edition of Texas Neighbors. Snap your pick now for the Texas Farm Bureau photo contest. The entry deadline is June 1st. Visit TexasFarmBureau.org for complete contest rules. That's TexasFarmBureau.org.
1: The cattle market started out today higher
2: on Friday. We traded higher all the way through midday. Then weakness came into the market and prices moved mostly lower. We ended up closing lower across the board on live cattle, mostly lower on the feeder cattle market. April live cattle dropped seventeen cents, one thirty-seven eighty-two. June down twenty-seven at one thirty-three eighty-two. While August live cattle were down twenty-five to close the week at one thirty-five eighty-five. Feeder cattle lower on all except the nearby. By April it was up 15 cents 156.55 May feeders down 10 at 159.37 while August feeder cattle dropped 72 cents to close the week at 173.55 cash fed cattle market this week we saw most of our cattle sell at steady money 138 sold most of the cattle here in the south that's steady with the same price we've seen over the past three weeks. Boxed beef was lower on Friday. Choice down 33 cents, 271.07. Select down 84 at 260.38. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Your first glass of iced
9: tea comes to you courtesy of Phil Brockenbush and Giddings Livestock. They sell them every Monday. Bill, how did that Monday sale turn out?
13: It went good, Larry. We had 823 on a steady cow market, and calves were steady to maybe a couple dollars higher on some of them.
9: Well, let's walk the pins.
13: Steers, 300 and back, average around 184, bring up to 290. Three to four weights, 171 to 222 and a half. Four to five weights, 162 to 195. Five to six weights, 149 to 172 and a half. Six to seven weights, 125 to 160. Seven to eight weights, 120 to 143. The heifers, 300 and back, average around 175, bring up to 240. Three to four weights, 151 to 192.5, 4 to 5 weights, 155 to 215, 5 to 6 weights, 144 to 170, 6 to 7 weights, 140 to 190, 7 to 8 weights, 130 to 145. Uh the bulls and cows, the Packer Cows and Bulls, the, the Bulls brought from the good high yielding bulls brought from 102 to 119. Kind of the medium yielding bulls, 85 to 101. Cows, high yielding cows 80 to uh, to a dollar, medium yielding cows fifty-six to seventy nine, a little thin cows thirty to fifty five. Some pretty good pairs. Uh pairs brought from eight fifty to fourteen. Seventy-five Red cows, 750 to 1375.
9: Good. Have you got a line on anything coming this next Monday?
13: Uh, we got a little old deal. We got to get some cows Friday. Uh Guy's going to kind of go through them and sell the older cows off of them. Not sure what, you know, uh, there'll be some calves too. There'll be some pairs, probably some middle-aged pairs. Right. You uh, know, I was going to remind everybody on April the 25th, we're going to have it special. It's, uh, we're, we're still taking consignments, So if anybody needs anything, they can call me or call the barn. Uh <laughs> But we'll have a lot of good cows in that deal. So
9: Good. We'll give them the contact info.
13: You can call me at 979-716-4395 or call the barn at 979-542-2274.
9: Thank you, Phil. Thank you, Texas neighbors. This is walking the pens, Texas Farm Bureau Radio
2: Network. I'm Larry Marble. Good day. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs closed mixed on Friday. Nearby April hogs down two cents, ninety nine zero two. May was up ten at one hundred eight point forty two. Class three milk was higher. April milk up five cents, twenty four point eighteen a hundred weight. May milk up twelve at twenty four point eighty two a hundred. USDA released its world agricultural supply and demand report on Friday morning. As far as cotton is concerned, the supply and demand forecasts were unchanged from last month. The market reacted the same way we've seen it behave all week. Old crop moved lower, while new crop closed higher. May cotton down 79 points, 132.41. October up 44 points at 120.98. December cotton up 79 at 115.48. Corn and wheat both having a positive reaction to the supply and demand report. Double digit gains on old crop corn. May was up 11 cents, 768 and three quarters, while new crop September corn was up eight and a half at 727 and a half. Strong move to the upside in the wheat market following the report Friday. July Kansas City wheat up 36 and three quarters, closing the week at 1110 a bushel. July Chicago wheat was up 33 cents to close at 10.58 and a quarter. In the energy markets, May natural gas down 6 cents at 6.29, May crude oil up $1.97 at an even $98 a barrel. The financial markets mixed Friday afternoon, the Dow up 192 points, 34,775. The Nasdaq down 144 at 13,753, while the S&P was down 2 at $4,497. That wraps up our look at the markets and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name is Kerry Martin. Hope to see you next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture.
1: Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify.